So good morning, Eastside family. We want to encourage our children ages three through third grade to make their way in that direction to junior worship. If you're new here and you have children that age, just kind of follow the parents that are walking that direction. Everybody else that's staying in here, take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And as you're turning there, I want to remind you of a very important, we do this every Sunday, reminding you of a very important aspect of our worship to God, and that is the offering that we bring to Him. And so we make it possible for you to bring that offering in, in four different ways. You can mail a check to our church address. You can go online to our website and just click on the box that says give and follow the instructions. You can also do an automatic draft through your bank, or if you're here in person, you can drop off your um, contribution there at the box that's on the table on the way out. If you're not here in person and you are streaming with us this morning, we are incredibly honored and humbled that you're here with us and you're just as much a part of our church family and just means a lot to us that uh, you're with us today as well. Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47, I'm going to talk a bit to, I guess you might say, set the stage for reading this passage. So let me ask you this question. Have, have you ever played, I don't know if I'd call it a game or the counseling exercise if, as I've seen it, where someone says a word and you say the first thing that comes to your mind, which is not always the best thing to do, but Let's just, let's just do that for a minute. For example, when I say the word, what, what comes to your mind when I say the word, my favorite meal? What do you see? Or what picture comes to mind when I say, my dream vacation? Oh, I've got some pictures that come to mind. Or if you close your eyes and I say the word, my dream home, what do you see? And this one's, this one's probably more for, for guys, but like my dream car, the car I've always wanted, what do you see? And since I did one for the guys, I'll do one for the ladies. If you close your eyes and I say, you, my dream home husband the husband I've always wanted what do you what is the picture be careful what do you see I'm gonna guess no I'm not gonna guess I'm certain that with all of these words that come up we all have different pictures come to mind because we're all different we all have different experiences we all have different histories we all have different personalities we all have different preferences we all have different likes and we all have different dislikes and so different things come to mind that's natural so let me ask this question what do you see when you close your eyes and I say the word church. And again, again, we all have different pictures because we're all different. All of us have good experiences and bad experiences. And so we got some good pictures, we got some bad pictures. We have different preferences, we have different personalities, we have different likes. And so all these different pictures come to mind of when I say the word church, of what each one of us are thinking. When I say the word church, there are some, they see a gorgeous, beautiful, huge cathedral. 
Others see a, a little country church with a white steeple. Others, when I say the word church, they see the place that they go to on Sundays. For others, when I say the word church, it's, it's a service, an ordered service that comes to mind. Now, that's church. Two songs, a prayer, a song, communion, a song, a sermon, an invitation song, announcements, and a closing prayer. Now, that, that's church. I was trained well, right? Then others, they see a boring place where there's just a place where you fight to stay awake, a place that's really not fun. And then others, when I say the word church, they imagine or they see something like a, like a rock concert where the music is roaring loud. They're pogo dancing and there's, there's fog machines and the, the worship minister and the preacher look like members of the Rolling Stones. That's their picture of church. Sorry to disappoint you. Others see what you might call high church. Suits and ties, that's the way church is supposed to look. Dresses, where are our dresses and, and beautiful hats and, and beautiful old traditional hymns. Some are even so extreme as maybe they see the pipe organ, organs playing. Some see the place of their past. Some see an archaic organization that's isolated and disconnected from our world today. It's really sad. It's really sad. But when I say the word church, there are many people in our nation who see a place of judgmental and hateful people. That's what some see. But also when I say the word church, some people see a, a place of loving, compassionate, people some see a cold lifeless institution I hear that one I don't be a part of that I'm not into the institution that's what some see some see and this is a this is a picture that's it's been out there recently these are none of these are hypothetical these are these are ones that I've taught people talking about some see a, a political extremist wing of people where it's really not a worship service but you feel more like it's a, a political rally that you've been a part of when I say the word church there are some who see a place where they've been hurt a place where they had a really bad experience. And maybe it was many years ago and maybe the people or the person that hurt them or maybe the situations that caused that hurt, maybe that's long gone, but it's hard for them to shake it. And so still to this day, they're wounded and they see the church through the filter of their hurt. We have that. I just spent a few days with someone who, who grew up going to church. But this person saw too much division and arguing and fighting. 
And so when I say the word church, that's what this person thinks of and that's why they haven't darkened the doors of a church building for over 30 years. Some see a picture of, of hypocrites. You've heard that one. I'm not going there. It's full of hypocrites. That's the picture some have. And then, oh boy, has COVID not taken its own paintbrush and repainted various pictures of church. When I say the word church, now COVID has helped us see a place that I don't even need. It's helped me to see that church is something that I can do that. That's something I do on my own. I have a picture of a church and I see me on the couch in my flannel pajamas with my cup of tea looking at a screen. That is church. And so all these pictures have evolved and come to mind and, and they cause people to disconnect, cause some to leave church. We've experienced it here. All churches have, and especially COVID has just really played a role in that. And so there are some who go from church to church to church looking for that picture that comes up in their mind of the ideal church, but they just can't seem to find it. Someone said, you know, when I'm looking for church, the, the church that I'm looking for, I feel like I'm looking for a unicorn. And what they meant by that is, it's kind of like I'm looking for something that doesn't even exist. But, I, oh, I wish that it did. And then there are those who are, who are not involved, they're not active in church because they're not really into it. And so they create a false image, a false picture of church that's really not real, but they create that and they blame their reason for not being involved in the church because the church is like this. I mean, it's really not about the church being like this. It's just that that's not a priority. That's not their interest. But they, you can't say that. And then some have had others paint a picture of church for them. Grumblers and Complainers and critics have influenced the pictures that some have of church. I remember someone had gotten their feelings hurt and so they quit going to church. True story. And so maybe four or five years later, they finally worked up the strength to come back to church and I saw them in the foyer and I smiled, they smiled, we embraced and they said, Eddie, can we get together? I just really need to sort out coming back. And I said, great, after church, let's talk. And so we had a worship service and as I was teaching, you know, you're paying attention to your lesson but you're also watching the audience and seeing what's going on and I saw this person out in the foyer talking to someone else and they came back inside and then after the service was over, we met again and I said, okay, when are we going to get together? He says, we're not going to get together. I'm not coming back because here at this church, these two things are going on. And I said, oh, no, 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 that, those two things aren't going on here. And he said, well, that's not what they told me. And so he hadn't been back because someone painted a picture that he carries with him of church. I got an email from someone who said, 
I just cannot be a part of this church anymore. And they thankfully, at least they communicated it. Some people just disappear. And they gave all their reasons of why. And, and, and there was a long list of them. And I'd say about 98% of those reasons are things. Now, I'm pretty involved here. So I kind of know what's going on. Those things aren't just true. But they thought they, they were because that's what someone had told them. They haven't been around for two or three years. But somebody told them. And so they're gone because someone painted a picture for them of church that isn't church. And then there are some who see the church through what I would call false misrepresentations of a few. Here's what I mean by that. I, I went and visited with someone who was thinking about leaving and eventually did and, and this person said to me I just I can't be a part of this church because this church is like this and this person described to me what our church is like and I said you know you've not been here for really almost more than two years I, I'm pretty involved here that's I just don't see that tell me what you're talking about and as we talked, it all boiled down to one person who put something really nasty on Facebook. And so now this person can no longer have anything to do with our church because of that person. He's seeing the whole church through the filter, the lens of that one individual. That's just crazy. And that craziness is, is going on in our society. You hear it, don't you, that people that criticize and dislike our country because of the behavior of some who don't even represent the ideals of our country but they see the whole nation through the filter of these particular individuals some see all white people and all black people through the misrepresentations of some and that is so unfair these don't represent all white people, nor do these represent all black people. These are just some people doing some bad things regardless of their skin color. They're not all police officers. These are just some unhinged officers. And that, that mentality is also in the church. Toxic mentality. But playing a role in, in how we see church. Creating false narratives, false pictures. And so, in this time when the church has gotten such a bad rap, there is a desperate need to be reminded of the beauty, the beauty of what church is and is intended to be and to be lived out among God's people. And so, as I as I ask the question, what picture comes to your mind when I say the word church? Who cares what picture comes to your mind? I care if you're hurt or had a bad experience. But my point is, what really matters, what picture comes to God's mind? It's actually His church. How does He describe the bride of Christ? Here in Acts chapter 2, we have what I would say is a picture of what the church is intended to be. A picture of what God 
intends for the church to be a picture God's picture of the church and and it's a it's a picture of the church in its inception and this was before these new members of the church had enough time to mess things up and we know that they did just read the letters that were written to the church that's just what happens whenever you have people in the church Now, for some of us, what I'm going to read this morning, you're hearing it for the first time. And for others of you, I thought you're going to go, oh, Eddie, we've we've read this, we've heard this before. But I believe we need, desperately, this reminder. Let's look at God's picture of the church. Verse 42, we're jumping in the middle of a story. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. To the breaking of bread and to prayer, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved so I love this opening word devoted that is the first brush stroke that the Holy Spirit uses to draw God's picture of the church what does devoted mean it means something consumes you you're consumed by it To be devoted to something means to be totally committed to and totally given it to. To be actively and constantly involved with something as a central priority to your life. So let me ask you, does that describe your devotion, your involvement with your church family? We're devoted to things, right? What are you devoted to? How can, you, how can you follow someone's life? I think you can. I think it's quite easy to follow someone's life and you can tell pretty soon into following them, oh, I can see what they're devoted to. Other things are important, but this takes greatest importance. That means they're devoted to it. Other things may fall away. Other things they may miss. But this is not something that they miss. If someone were to follow your life closely would they conclude wow that person is deeply devoted to their church family as we see here in God's picture of the church so here in this passage in in verse 42 this is packed this one verse is It identifies four things the new Christians were devoted to. These are the four identifying marks. The first four. There's many in this passage. We're looking at these four this morning. The four identifying characteristics of what God intends for church to be. This is the the DNA of the church. These are God's first four brush strokes as he paints a picture of the church. But you're going to notice... Their devotion wasn't simply to a service. It wasn't simply to a building. 
It wasn't simply to a particular day of week. We know, first of all, there are four things. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, which we understand that to mean, or to be the, the scripture. There's a lot I can say about that. It refers to what we understand as the word of God. The teaching and practice of God's word. This was central to these people, and it was a devotion they shared together. And you might say, well, duh. I mean, Eddie, of course, you're stating the, the obvious that the Bible is a central part of what church is supposed to be. That's an obvious. No, not anymore. A devotion to God's Word is becoming more and more unseen in the pictures of the contemporary churches. Not here in the picture that God draws for us. But secondly, it says they were devoted to fellowship. And that's that popular word that many of you, if you've been involved in church for a while, you've heard that word that's used here in the Greek is koinonia. And it means that you share something with someone. It's a sharing something in common. It's a sharing of life together. That's why we call our small groups life groups. We're sharing life together. It's taking my relationship that I have with Jesus Christ and sharing it with others. And that's really the context that you see here as you zoom out and you look at the larger picture of Acts chapter 2. These are people who had come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. They'd heard the gospel and they were baptized into Christ. And as they devoted themselves to Jesus... And they connected themselves to Christ, we see that they naturally and organically came together in devotion to one another. You don't see, after they became Christians, the disciples saying, All right, you're supposed to be a part of church. Look at the text, it was just natural. It flowed out of their connection and their relationship with Jesus. And so, if there is a breakdown and a disconnect in your devotion to the church family, it's safe to say there's very likely a breakdown and a disconnect in your relationship and devotion to Jesus because they just go hand in hand. It's kind of like, and I think I've said this before in this assembly, saying, well, I want to be a part and I want to be in Colorado Springs but have nothing to do with El Paso County. How do you do that? Because Colorado Springs is in the middle of El Paso County. I hear this way too much. I just want my personal relationship with Jesus. Not the institution, not the organization, just me and Jesus. But he's in the middle of this gathering of God's people. These people were devoted to fellowship. And then thirdly, it says they were devoted to the breaking of bread. Verse 42. And that, that means, I, I believe, biblically speaking, that refers to two things. First of all, it refers to communion, meaning this was a cross-centered church. Whereby the memorial of the Lord's Supper, they never forgot. They never lost sight of what God had done for them on the cross. Coming together around the table, coming together around this memory of the cross, it just naturally brought them together in their fellowship. That's why we have communion every Sunday. 
But breaking of the bread, and we're going to see this later in this passage, and you see it throughout the New Testament, it also meant sharing a meal together in their homes. The churches did that. As a matter of fact, that's really where communion happened. As they shared the meal together in the home, that's where they had communion. But I think it's incredibly important for us to understand that the Lord's Supper communion that we have when we're together for them, for us, it's not just a, a ritual, but it is a ritual that reminds us of a reality that I have hurt God. And I have, and you have, we all have, but he he still loves me. That's amazing. And when I go to those tables or take the communion with the communion kits we have, and I take those emblems, I'm reminded he forgives me of the hurt that I caused him. But it goes beyond that. And it causes me to reflect and think over those that have hurt me. And my call from remembering His forgiveness to me, my call to show and extend love and mercy and forgiveness to those that have hurt me. Really important. Because as I, as I shared with you earlier, some have a picture of church as a place where they've been hurt by others. And so they leave the church instead of seeking to reconcile and forgive. I've seen it happen way too many times. And when I see it, if I can jump in the mess, I jump in and say, listen, what's up? Talk to me. Tell me what happened. And they explain to me this hurt that they experienced. And I say to them, would well, have you, have, you, have you talked to them to reconcile and to work out grace and forgiveness? No, oh no, uh-uh, no. Well, what about if, if I go with you and we sit down and we talk with them? Nine times out of ten, and I'm being real generous with those odds, nine times out of ten, they answer that, oh no, I'm not doing that. And they leave. Instead of choosing the path, of reconciliation and forgiveness. The picture of the ideal church is not one with ideal people, with perfect people. That's the mistaken image that too many people have of the church. It is a cross-centered church where forgiveness is a glue that holds us to God. And it holds us, should, to one another. And then finally we read here in verse 42 that they were devoted to prayer. Which is praying together. This, this shows you a, a spiritual depth to their relationships. And you read the book of Acts and it's like, it's, it's like prayer is a dominant theme in the book of Acts. It's no, no wonder the Holy Spirit was so incredibly active. He is when his people are praying. But they weren't praying individually. You see them praying together. And it wasn't just listening while a shepherd leads a prayer. And that's good. And we should have that. But there's a picture that you see here. In the New Testament. Of Christians gathered up together in a assembly like this. Praying with one another. Praying for one another. I am so blessed 
by my Saturday mornings with my friend Joe. We've been doing this for years. We now make it breakfast and we eat breakfast together. We share what we're reading together in scripture and we encourage one another and we share our, our burdens and our struggles together and, and it, I've gotten through a lot of tough stuff because of that time with Joe and then we step outside the restaurant and we go to my car and there in the sacred holy place of my car he prays for me and I pray for him. Do you have such a relationship with someone? It's, it's a difference maker. It's a vital part of the church. And so these are the first four brush strokes of God's picture of the church. I don't know what you're seeing, but it's beautiful. It is beautiful in contrast to these ugly pictures that have evolved. And so next Sunday, we're going to finish looking at this picture of the church here in verses 42 through 47. Now maybe you've paid attention to that gaudy slide that I have of this neon orange couch in the background of neon green. Like that's an attention getter. And you're thinking, Eddie, it looks like this sermon is supposed to be about life, about life groups and you haven't said a single word about small group ministry or, or life groups yet at all. So let me do that now as, as we close while we certainly want for you and for us to experience this picture of church here on Sundays, it is very possible, it happens, that you can come here for years, years faithfully and check off the attendance box, but miss and never experience the beauty of what God intends for church to be. For you. But I'm telling you, I've been involved in, in life groups for, for many, many years. It's impossible to be involved in a small group that we call life groups and not live out and experience the picture that we see here. To really, when I say the word life group, it's just another word of saying church. It's just a smaller church. They're house churches. We don't want for our life groups to be a ministry of the church or a program of the church. Life groups are our church. It's a place where authentic church is experienced. And it can happen here in this assembly or in other churches you leave. Wow, that was amazing or that's oh, okay. But I'm telling you, every single time I love visiting our groups, every time I get in the car and drive away, I think, wow, that was that's it. That is indeed what church is supposed to be. And so if you're not in a group, you're very likely missing so much of what God has designed the church to be for you. And what I would encourage you to do today, not as some churches do, traditionally they invite you to come down front, but I would like to ask you to go backwards to the back. And that gaudy sign there has another one right over there. And there are tables where you can sign up for a life group. Our goal would be that we'll have 100% of our members 
in our life groups. I think we have in the 60-something percent range, which is pretty decent, but that means we have 40-something percent of our folks not experiencing this. We've taken a hit in our membership, in our church family with COVID. Our, our life groups have taken a hit. We need some new groups. We need some folks to say, hey, I'll help start one. Which is really not complicated. As a matter of fact, I, I taught today and I'll be teaching another class next week. Kind of a, a life group training course for those that are leading groups or starting groups. Come and talk to us about that at the tables. As soon as I give the benediction, I'm going to race back there and you can find us back there to talk to you. But if you've got questions about the groups, we'd love to talk to you about that. There are some of you here years ago, you were very involved in life groups. Some of you were even leading life groups we need you back to help us live out this beautiful picture, church. So as we saw in this picture that these disciples were devoted to prayer, we want to close our time this morning living that out. I'm going to say a prayer. Our praise team is going to continue in that prayer. And at that point, I just want to... Um, Encourage us to pray together. Whatever that means, whatever that looks like. I'm looking out here and I'm seeing a lot of stories that are very hurting right now. That need prayer. And it's hard to say, I need prayer, come pray with me. But if you know someone that's like that, I want to encourage you to go to them. Or if you are someone that's like that, I want to encourage you to reach out and say, would you pray with me? Our shepherds are available. A um, couple of them are, are out of town, but our shepherds are available you can go to one of them and pray with them. And, and those of you that are live streaming, we want you to be a part of this too. So you've got my phone number, uh, you've got my email, you've got the email and probably phone numbers of our, of our shepherds or our church members as well. Call somebody and say, would you pray with me? Hear what's going on in my life. Or if you know somebody that needs a phone call, I want to encourage you to do that. Church, let's stand together and go before God in prayer. Father, we thank you for this powerful picture and we pray that it will be lived out it will be realized among our east side family that this will be a city on a hill that shines a bright light for jesus not only in this place but in our life groups and our homes all throughout the city i pray father that you will compel the hearts of each one of us to find our place where we can encourage and be an encouragement to others in the church family we come before you with our lives. We come before you to pray to you and to pray together with one another. In Jesus' name. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.